The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You're listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 68. This is the seventh episode in our series on unpacking the secret, and we are in the middle of the how-tos and the practice of how to work with the law of attraction. So today, we're going to talk about the different tools that the secret as a movie talks about and some of my favorite tools that I have found over the years we're going to tell a little story about why we even need these tools. And, you know, my big question that I had for years was, isn't there a way in which to be human that doesn't require us to have all of these tools, for lack of a better way to say it? Did Jesus use these tools? What did, how did Jesus live? How do the great avatars throughout human history work with these laws? And is there a way to kind of graduate into becoming that woke and that powerful. Yes, there is, but we all need some growth. So let's work on that first. All right, some tools, some tips, some tricks, some hacks, whatever you want to call them. These are uh, things that uh, you can employ to work with the law of attraction and things to do before I get into them. I have a uh, a story for you guys. It's one of those stories that uh, I kind of forget that, one, that a lot of the people in this community have not heard it, but it's also one of those ones that I kind of forget that people don't realize the principle of the story. And it's actually a parable. It's a parable I heard originally from Tom Brown of Tracker School, and he got it, I believe, from grandfather, his spiritual mentor. And it is, it's one of my favorite stories. It's one of my favorite parables. So it goes a little something like this. So there's this land. It's a fantasy land. And it's one of those, you know, this is one of those stories where the rules are different. So let's just pretend like we all live in a world where there's this little man, this little hobbit. And he comes across a wizard who is asleep on this stone table in the middle of a field. And as everyone knows in this land, that if you catch a wizard, you can ask it, it is forced to grant you anything you ask. And so this hobbit is in this field and he can't believe his luck. And obviously hobbits are famously quiet. So he's able to work his way around to where the wizard is and he has some rope, luckily. And he quietly pulls the rope out of his pocket and he wraps it around the table and then he loops it just right and he throws it over the wizard and he pulls it down tight and he's got it tight and this wizard is three times his size because remember he's a hobbit and this wizard wakes up who oh what is what who are you how are you holding me down the hobbit looks at him obviously scared out of his mind and realizing Oh crap, maybe I shouldn't have done this. He looks at him and he says, uh, um, you, you, I, by, by royal decree, you have to grant me my wish because I caught you. And the wizard calms down. He realizes, oh, okay, so this little, he doesn't mean me any harm. He just wants to catch me. And 
Fine, fine. So he comes down. He says, okay, you caught me. You're right. I'll grant your wish. And so the hobbit, you know, very nervously, like, lets go of the rope. And the wizard takes the rope off, and he stands up. And the hobbit starts to wrap it up. And the wizard says, I don't got all day, kid. What do you want? And he says, oh, um, um, and the wizard, what do you want? Uh, what do you, you know, you caught me, you have a wish. And the wizard is getting nervous and he's like, uh, I, I want, I want a, a certain, I want a servant demon. I want a demon that will do anything that I tell it to do. And the wizard says, you want a demon? Obviously in this land, demons aren't evil. They are just little servants. They're like little gargoyles. He says, you want a demon to do what you tell it would do. He goes, do you understand what you're asking for? And he goes, yeah, 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 totally, totally. Yeah, I, I have a lot of stuff I need to get done. Winter's coming up. I, I want this servant to do what I need to do. He goes, okay. And poof, the wizard is gone. And in its place is this little gargoyle of a demon. So the hobbit's, you know, a third of the size of a man. And the, the demon's half the size of uh, the hobbit. So it's this little gargoyle thing. And he says, give me something to do. And the hobbit says, uh, carry me home, right? And so the demon puts out his arms and the hobbit jumps in his arms and the demon just starts walking home and it takes him a little bit and they get home. The demon puts him down and says, give me something to do. And he says, okay, um, go chop that firewood over there and get ready for winter. And the demon says, and poof, the demon's gone up over on top of the hill, chopping firewood. The hobbit goes inside the house and before he even gets to the kitchen, poof, the demon says, done, give me something to do. And the hobbit goes, what? And he looks out the window and, wow, sure enough, all the firewood is chopped and stacked neatly. And he says, oh, okay, well, um, go ahead and uh, winterize the property. Get ready for winter. I need, you know, I've got all the stuff on the outside. I need to check the roof and get the cabin ready for winter. Okay, your wish is my command. Poof. He goes, all right, cool. And the hobbit thinks to himself, you know, I'm going to, I was going to do dishes, but I'll just have the demon do the dishes. And, and before he even thinks about the next thing, the demon comes back, poof done give me something to do and the hobbit's like oh wow okay uh well do the dishes and he starts to walk towards the bedroom he's going to take a nap and the demon poof done give me something to do the hobbit goes um man uh let's see he did the laundry and as he's processing what the next thing he does the demon gets a little bit bigger and he says give me something to do and the hobbit is a little bit taken back and he doesn't even know what just happened and and he's thinking, and then the demon gets a little bit bigger, and he says, give me something to do. And the hobbit goes, oh, um, well, I've, I wanted, you know where the firewood was? I've actually always wanted a nice house up there. Can you build me a new house, um, a much bigger house? And yeah, the demon goes, okay, it is done. Poof, gone. The hobbit, oh, wow, that was scary. What was that? And he starts to lay down, and his head hits the pillow, and then poof, there's the demon. Give me something to do. And he looks out. And the house is built. And he says, well, um, and, and he's thinking and he's thinking and he's stuttering and the, the demon gets a little bit bigger. He goes, give me something to do. And he goes, um, well, you know, I mean, actually, I don't just want a house. I want a mansion. I actually want a, like a villa and like maybe some vineyards and, and an orchard. And I want to host a lot of people. And, and so just make it like the biggest property in the kingdom. Poof, demon disappears. And the hobbit's like, oh, no, this is. Is it? I don't understand. And as he's thinking, the demon comes back. Poof! It is done. Give me something to do. And the hobbit's like, I, uh, I don't know. And the demon gets bigger. Give me something to do. And by now, the demon is starting to touch the rafters with his head. And and about he notices about every time that he 
says that every time that he doesn't have something to do, the demon gets twice as big. So this is getting out of hand really fast. And the hobbit realizes, I've only got one more time to even get out the freaking window before I'm stuck in this house with this demon. And sure enough, he dives through the window. And as he does it, he hears the creaking and the cracking of the house. And and the demon's getting bigger. And he's, give me something to do. And the hobbit starts booking it. He realizes that he cannot control this demon and there is nothing in the world that he can give him to do. Nothing will keep him busy enough. And he realizes that he has just gotten himself into big trouble asking for this servant, for this thing, this demon of a servant that would never stop wanting something to do. And so he's just running and he's scared and he's crying and he doesn't know what the crap he's going to do. And he's not even thinking, looking where he's going and bam, he runs right into the wizard. And the wizard says, hey, how you doing? And the hobbit goes, uh, we got to go. We got to run. That demon that you gave me, out of control. I don't know what to do. And he says, really? And he goes, you can't control your demon. Hmm. And the hobbit's like, no, you don't understand. And as, you, as he's like trying to make his case, you hear, boom, boom, boom. Give me something to do. And he's chasing and the hobbit is freaking out. And the wizard pulls a hair from his beard. And he gives it to the hobbit and he says, tell the demon to straighten this hair. And the hobbit's like, are you freaking kidding me right now? This thing's going to kill us. What are we going to do? We got to get out of here. And the poof, the wizard is gone. And the demon is right behind him and he is lost and he turns around and this demon is huge. It's the size of the trees and it looks down and says, give me something to do. And he shakes his hand and he holds his hand out and he's got this little hair from the wizard's chinny chin chin and he looks at the demon and he says straighten this hair and the demon takes the hair out of his hand and he takes it and he straightens it out and he holds it to the hobbit and he says done give me something to do and as he says it he looks and the hair is curly again and he shrinks back down to half his size and straightens it out done give me something and he looks at the hair and the hair is curly again and he shrinks again back to half down that size and he shrinks again and again and every time he goes to give the hair the straight hair back to the hobbit it's curly again and he can't straighten the hair and he goes smaller and smaller and smaller until he's his original size and by now the hobbit has figured it out that as long as you can keep the demon occupied it will be a great servant and so the demon is back to its original size he takes the hair out of his hands he says take me home he jumps in the demon's arms and heads home he gets back to bed that's now his new home so he's got a good bed and he gives the demon the hair and he says straighten this hair and then he goes to sleep and takes a nap so the moral of the story is that Your conscious mind is the demon. Your conscious mind is an amazing servant. But your conscious mind requires something to do. And when it has nothing to do, it gets out of control. Have you ever tried to stop and meditate? (laughs) And that mind of yours demands something to do. 
And so there's a lot of meditative practices that actually give it something to do. We, we tell it, you know, the transcendental meditation uh, gives it certain practices. You have different mantras that give your mind something to focus on. But that demon of a servant, when it's kept in check, when it's kept busy, is an amazingly powerful thing. It will do anything you ask it to do, and it'll do it exactly how you ask it because it's your mind. But left unchecked and not given something to do, it gets louder and bigger and more unruly, and it will run your life. And most people out there have a demon that is way too large and is never satisfied, and they have no recollection of rest or purpose because they're just busy keeping their mind occupied. What do you think cell phones and Facebook and video games and movies are all about? We have forgotten how to go out into nature and enjoy. We have figured out how to keep our conscious minds in charge. And now we work for the demon. You spend so much time. The hobbit spent, got to the point where instead of the demon serving it, just to keep it under control, the hobbit shifted his energy and had to become the thing that was serving the demon. I need to give it something to do or else it's going to get out of control. I need to work in order to keep this thing happy. It was supposed to be the other way around. So I call this the parable of the hare. It's the curly hair from the wizard's beard. And if you know me personally, there's probably been a time if we've talked much, uh, I'll reference different spiritual practices as hairs. And so my point in bringing it up in understanding the law of attraction and tools of the law of attraction is that a true practitioner of universal laws like Jesus, we'll say Jesus as a perfect example, I don't think he was using some of these methods that I'm going to share with you that like visualization. That's actually one that's in the secret. I'm going to kind of give you some brief rundowns on a few things, muscle testing, vision boards, mirroring, belief IQ, emotion code. There's lots of things that we use to work with the, the universal laws and do not get me wrong. I absolutely agree with those of you who are saying, yeah, but isn't there, shouldn't there be a way that we don't need all of these trappings. We don't need all of these hairs to keep our minds occupied? Absolutely. I don't see Jesus telling the disciples as they're scared out of their minds that they're going to sink in the Sea of Galilee and going, wait a minute, I need to visualize first that I'm going to stop the waves. Give me a minute. Give me a minute, guys. Keep it down. Keep it down. I need to visualize. Um, Mantra, mantra, mantra. And then he does a little muscle testing, maybe some balancing. No, (laughs) he knows how this stuff works and he can step into his identity. And a true practitioner uh, who works with these universal laws, I absolutely agree, should not need hairs. For the rest of us who are on our way to becoming fully manifested sons of God, all of these tools are simply a hair. They are a hair, a curly hair, to keep your conscious mind busy, to get your conscious mind to be a servant to you, not a master of you, that to give you something to focus on. Visualization is about energy, but the visualization is about the mind. Psyche or belief balances or belief IQ, any of that, those are about energy, but those processes are about the mind. Prayer, uh, fasting, 
taking time to go on a pilgrimage, all of those things, psychedelic drugs, whatever it is, all of these things are hairs that we use to help keep our beliefs focused, to keep, instead of our minds running us, we run our minds. I hope you get the point. There's a lots of ways to apply it, but the point being, we use these tools not because their ultimate goal, and then I, again, I don't see Jesus like, hold on guys, I can't heal you, and give me a minute, you know? And then he goes into some other room and like does some spiritual practice to get centered and everything. No, he's living it. That is the goal. So if you have any kickback, like, well, I really shouldn't, you know, does it have to be visualization? I don't No, You don't do what works for you. Right. So I have, before even getting into these nuts and bolts, I have the, the parable, of the hair, the fact that we don't necessarily have, you know, the true practitioner of these things does it without methodologies. And Oh, by the way, I do believe that Jesus, when he did go away and pray, when he did go away and spend that time, it wasn't because he was visualizing or creating a vision board or muscle testing or anything like that. I believe Jesus spent his time just making sure he was in alignment, right? That there is even Jesus needed to make sure he was doing what the father was doing. And there was an alignment thing, but not a like how to do it problem, if that makes sense. And so that's those are some of my pre-notes before you can get into it. And the last one is, of all of these, do the ones that work for you. If visualization doesn't work for you, if muscle testing, if you have a hard time muscle testing and you, you don't have any training in it, maybe wait until you know somebody who does or until we do a, a live event or come to a Believe IQ class, whatever. But if for right now it's hard for you to self-test, fine. Just There's plenty of ways to do these things. Figure out the ones that work for you. I talked about it in the last episode, how when Jack Canfield put a $100,000 bill taped to the ceiling above his bed and every morning he would wake up and see that. I talked about how for me, when I do that, it's just, it actually keeps me out of the energy of gratitude and keeps me in the energy of trying, right? So in some ways, vision boards don't work for me to keep them up on my wall, right? I, um, and we'll get into this more, but like for me, like a vision board is a perfect example of, I get a huge value from creating the board and figuring out exactly what car I want and exactly what my house needs to look like and everything like that. But then I don't keep a board on the wall all the time. And there is a nuance and an art to when I do look at those things, when I revisit my board to touch gratitude or whatever. But that's, again, that's, you have to know your own body. So of all these methods, and there's more that I'm not listing here, of whatever methods you use to get yourself into working with the law of attraction and working with the secret. Understand, yes, it is a hair. It is something to keep your mind occupied while the energies flow. But two, do the ones that work for you, right? And maybe as a caveat in here is the number one thing I can recommend is make sure you're in alignment with your divine purpose. Make sure you're in alignment with your desires. Um, most of us don't spend the time figuring out what we want, hence the initial episode, you know, three episodes ago about the, uh, the power of decision uh, before asking. Um, that's where all the alignment work is done. And so went for Jesus to say, I only do what I see the Father doing, his work was making sure that he saw what the Father was doing. Then doing it was easy. So I hope you enjoyed that parable. I like telling it. Uh, it comes out a little bit different every time but I'm glad to finally have it recorded. So um, tools and hacks for working with the law of attraction. I'm going to go over four main tools and then the fifth one I'm kind of just 
list off some other ones that I know we won't get into them, but there's other ones. So the first tool I'm, I have to talk about because it's in the secret and it is very um, useful is visualization. So visualization is, I mean, they do talk about it pretty well in the secret. They talk about the guy who wants to drive that sports car. So he sits down in his recliner and he puts his feet up and he pretends like he's got his feet on the gas pedals and he's shifting and he puts headphones on. And if you remember, he, you know, and they even, you know, do you have to put your arms up and say, woohoo? And the guy says, you know, well, how bad do you want it? Right. The point of visualization is not that you can see what it is you want. That is a thing. It is absolutely a thing is to make, you know, well, I want a new car. Okay. <laughs> do you want a piece of crap new car or do you want the dream car? And what is your dream car? Well, I don't know. I've never thought about it. Well, think about it. Go test drive them. Go figure out what exactly the energy is of the car that you want. I know that I want a GMC Denali with the double cab, not the crew cab. I want the double cab and I want the six and a half foot bed or the seven foot bed, uh, depending on how you measure it. And I want the Denali line and I would really like the Callaway line if they still make it. I don't know if they make it. It's something that I haven't looked at in a couple of years. But I know exactly the truck I want. Now, apparently Jeep is coming out with a new vehicle in the next year or two. We'll see. They said it before and then they didn't. But apparently I have a buddy, Ron Hale, who's in the car industry and he says that they are coming out with it. That particular vehicle could unseat my GMC Denali Sierra that I want. But I know exactly the vehicle I want, right? And if it's a different one, I know exactly. There's an energy to that. There's an energy to every time I see that vehicle on the road, there is a a very specific desire, want, ask, whatever. You know, for me, I haven't made the decision to get that vehicle because there's other things that are more important. And there is an art to asking and there's an art to the process of lining things up. But I do know very specifically. And when you know the car you want, there's an energy to that. I hope I don't have to explain that. If you don't know the car you want, test me in this, right? Go check it out. Figure out, take the time, take weeks, months, take the time to look and make it a spiritual exercise. Don't give, don't, no, I'm just wasting time looking at dream cars. No, you're building your dream life by looking at dream cars, right? Maybe it, cars aren't your thing. Then figure out what is your thing. Is it a house, a particular house? Go look at model homes. Go look at Zillow, whatever. Figure out, oh, I want this here. And, and for me, building the exact house I want in my mind is a very specific energy. Nebulous energy is nebulous results. And so the point of visualization is to touch the vibration of having it, not visualize the hope of someday getting it. So remember that it's touching, that you believe that you have what you've asked for and it shall be given to you. Visualization is only as good as the energy that you have in it. For me, visualization is actually not the best method because I have not found it easy to touch the energy of having it, right? I, when I visualize waking up in the morning in the bed of my dream house or like that, I can touch the energy best of having it when I wake up and I'm kind of in between sleep and awake. 
but the I did it mostly as kind of I I had a season of visualization primarily to kind of stretch those muscles and see where they fit and I stretched them enough to figure out that it's for me it's not the best method. I know some other people that it works amazing for. For me it keeps me it's kind of like seeing that every time you wake up seeing the $100,000 bill in the ceiling it's kind of that same like I I keep asking. I have used visualization twice to the point where I visualized until I've touched gratitude, but it wasn't for physical things like a car or whatever like that. It was actually for a relational thing where I visualized knowing the right thing to say and stuff like that. And and it was able to touch gratitude to like, okay, I've got this, which by the way, law of attraction works for all of those things, right? You know, how to use a, a tough conversation with a friend as an example one of the things you can attract is the timing, right? There's a great time to say stuff and the wrong time to say stuff. That's just a side note. So visualization often backfires if you haven't decided, right? The reason I don't visualize, haven't visualized driving my GMC Denali is because I haven't decided to have one. I want one, but whether it's beliefs or order of priority or whatever, I have not decided to have one, right? And so putting myself in a position where I'm visualizing this thing that I haven't even decided to do. I haven't, I essentially haven't decided to put myself in alignment with making this happen. When you decide to have your dream car, make no mistake about it. You're probably going to then make a phone call to a bank and you're probably, you will get your dream car, right? Now, if you've decided to have your dream car and not take a loan, then you'll start saving money and you'll do them, you know. Whatever it is, once you've decided, the visualization is there to assist you in vibrating at the fact that it is finished. If you haven't decided and you're just hoping, stop. If you're just hoping to be rich, if you're just hoping to be healthy, stop visualizing. You're just vibrating at the energy of, oh, that would be nice, as opposed to it is done, right? So all of these tools come second to deciding, Remember, these are ways in which you can ask. These are ways in which you can, well, asking always comes after deciding. So that's a huge caveat. Decide, make the decision, then use the tools that you need to. So visualization, hope that helps. Muscle testing. So muscle testing is my favorite tool. I learned it through Psyche. It's also known as applied kinesiology. If you haven't done it, maybe we do this little exercise here right on the podcast. So if you're driving, sitting, whatever, um, I'm going to have you do a little cool little muscle test. It works about 95% of the time. Muscle testing works for everybody all the time. It's just a matter of what test you use because there's a hundred different ways to do it. And one of them is the swallow test. So do me a favor and obviously I'm going to use my name. So when I use my name, insert your own name, right? Don't use Austin's name. (laughs) So with your chin level, And the chin leveling is to make sure it's with your chin level and your eyes down that uh, neurology and psychology professionals have realized that you get in touch with your emotions when your eyes are on a plane that is below your chin. So if you, the reason you keep your chin level, your chin up, is that when you look down towards the ground or when you look down towards, you know, I'm sitting at a desk and there's a wall in front of me 
and I'm looking at the baseboards of, you don't have to look like straight down to the ground, like that'll hurt your eyes. Just look at enough of an angle down to where the angle that you're looking is lower than where your chin is parallel to, if that makes sense. So that you're looking lower than, so if you turn your head down, then your chin is further down. So when they find when your eyes are looking down relative to where your chin is at, that you're actually getting in touch with your emotions. Um, this is just Neuralink stuff. That when your eyes are looking down, that's why when people are depressed, or whatever, they always look down and they're just kind of staring at the ground type of thing, is because they're being very emotional, right? So to get in touch with your emotions, it enhances muscle testing even more. You don't have to do it. Uh, don't worry about it. If it's not, a, it's just an element of helping things work better. So whenever I do muscle testing, I always make sure that my chin is up and my eyes are down. Not down at the ground. I'm not like straining my eyes. Just enough to be below where my chin is at, if that makes sense. So with your chin up, eyes down, say out loud, my name is Austin. And then swallow. Right? Obviously, use your own name. So my name is Austin. Swallow. Now, with your chin up, eyes down, say a different name that's not your name. So say, my name is Sally, and then try to swallow. So if it worked, which 95% of you will work, what just happened is when you said your real name, you were able to swallow just fine. And then when you said somebody else's name that wasn't true, you likely were not able to swallow. It felt like you had a frog stuck in your throat, right? That's why like the phrase like cat got your tongue, frog stuck in your throat, like the idea like you're being untruthful, right? Is your body on a micro level, on a muscle level knows when you're not being in congruence. It's not just when you tell a lie. In that case, you just told a lie. Oh, my name is Sally. That's not my name. And my body goes, no, that's not your name. And your body energetically locks up and you get, and there is a, literally a tensity to, or a, in some cases it's not locked. It's actually the opposite where it gets weak. It says when you do muscle testing with your arms, it actually gets weak and people can press your arm down versus, you know, if, if you've ever done the arm test, it's basically just enough energy to keep your arm up and then have somebody, you know, say my name is Austin and they press lightly on your arm and it will lock in place or say my name is Sally and they press lightly on your arm and it'll actually go down because you can't keep it up, right? So there's lots of ways to muscle test, YouTube it. You know, these videos, I am video recording all of my podcasts, but I'm like 30 episodes behind schedule from posting them on YouTube. You know, just, you know, the audio is taking priority. And I'm doing a little bit in the camera, but there's way better YouTube videos about how to do muscle testing. Google it, look it up. Lots of ways to muscle test. I use muscle testing to see what I really believe, right? In the same way that I don't believe that I'm Sally is the same way that I can say I am prosperous. And then I muscle test. Do I really believe that? Right? I am healthy. And then I muscle test. I have what I've asked for. And insert the blank. I have my GMC Denali. Right? Sierra Denali. Muscle test. Do you really believe it? You'd be amazed how many things you really freaking believe mentally. But on a soul level where muscle testing works, on a subconscious level, you don't actually believe it. Right? You've been taught for years that you are 
healthy, wealthy, prosperous, and wise, and you muscle test all of them, and all of them are, nope, you don't believe that, <laughs> right? The reality is that your life looks like what you really believe, right? So if you're struggling, I can guarantee you, you muscle test, I struggle financially, it'll be strong, right? It'll be, yep, you do, because that's what your life is, and you believe it. So muscle testing what you really believe it can be really good after you've put your ask in, right? So I've asked for X, Y, and Z. Now muscle test. Do I believe it, right? There's a art to asking and getting yourself to where you believe it, and it's super encouraging when it does. If you muscle test and it's not true, like oh, I have my CRGMC Denali, and he goes weak, don't condemn yourself. Be grateful that you have this tool to tell you what you really believe and then go do the work to get to the place where you believe it. Now, I started doing this and I found some tools like Psyche and Emotion Code and now Belief IQ, I founded an organization that kind of puts these tools in one package. It's not just finding out what you believe, but you can actually use muscle testing and other methodologies and neuro uh, methodologies to actually then reprogram your subconscious mind using the body, using affirmations, if you will, and um, then muscle testing to make sure that you got it right. So imagine opening up the root files of your computer, writing new code, and then hitting save, and then you test again, do I believe this? And the answer is yes, or you keep doing it until it is yes. So again, Belief IQ goes well beyond these tools because it includes modalities and methodologies that I cannot deliver on a, on a podcast is impossible. So if you use muscle testing to find out that it's not true, then be grateful. Find out, you know, do the work to make it true so that you can muscle test and realize, yes, I do believe that I have my GMC Sierra Denali and it's black and it's this year and it's got this many miles on it or whatever. Do the work and be grateful that you know that you can. Instead of, instead of being annoyed that you, you don't believe it, aren't you glad you know that? Aren't you glad that you're not just spending the next five years thinking you believe it when you don't really believe it, right? So be grateful. And uh, there's kind of three words that I often test. So I might believe that I have a GMC Denali Sierra, but I don't believe that I deserve it. Or in some cases, like I think I want it in the real, but I don't actually believe I want it in the sense that I might have some doubts that I'm not aware of. So I often test three different words. I want my GMC Sierra Denali, I deserve my GMC Sierra Denali, and I have my GMC Sierra Denali. Obviously, insert the blank for whatever it is that you're asking. You might be surprised to find out that you don't actually want it. You think you want it, right? And that goes back into what's the thing you really want and have you inserted you know, the thing you think you need to get that? You know, I use the example of you know, I want $100,000 to pay off my house. And the reality is, is you want a paid for house. You think you need $100,000. Maybe you don't really want $100,000. What you really want is a paid off house. So test the want, the deserve, and the have to see if it's all congruent. A lot of times you want it and you believe you have it, but somewhere there you don't believe you deserve it. And, you know, as the scriptures say, anyone who doubts that he would receive anything from God should not expect to receive it. So, Test those want, deserve, and have. And if you come up weak and you want help, Belief IQ, give me a call, send me an email, austin at newagechristianity.org. 
you know the spiel by now. This is what I've dedicated years and years to unpacking and figuring out how to improve this process. So it's not just so many years of long drawn out work, but it's, you can take hours and hours of effort and conversation and turn it into a five minute process that actually works. And I'm, it really does work. So, um, vision boards, vision boards, uh, the guy, I love the story. I love the story in the secret where the guy talks about how he moved and there was boxes in storage. And five years later, his son's saying, daddy, what are these boxes? He says, Oh, those are my vision boards. Let me show you. And he pulls out the vision board and without even realizing it, he had his dream house up on the vision board, uh, vision board, the vision board. And that he had actually bought his dream house, remodeled it and moved in. And it was on the vision. He didn't buy a house that was like the one on his vision board. He bought the exact house that was on his vision board and he didn't even realize it. Right. That is freaking awesome. For him, vision boards, it's interesting. He put his vision boards in storage and it wasn't while his vision board was up on his wall. It was after he took the time to figure out the energy and then he moved on with his life and his house came to him anyway. I think that's more telling than most practitioners of the law of attraction realize. I think a lot of people who practice the law of attraction and have a vision board and look at it every day and try to squeeze out gratitude like it's a fart, like it's it's a thing, it stinks. I'm not saying that vision boards are not going to work if you keep them out. Um, you, only you, can know the nuance of your energy. What I'm saying is, if vision boards make sure that you keep the energy of wishing you had it, then you should put them in storage, right? You should put it away. You've done the work to figure out the energy of exactly what you want. Now put it away and let it come to you. Let go and start being very practical about how you walk it out and trust that all these little nuances and these twists and turns on your way from LA to New York in the dark, that that seeing 200 feet in front of you, that you will get all the things that you have asked for in that vision board as you just keep going. Let it go. And uh, I think that's a really, really cool telltale sign. And for me, the work is in deciding, yes, this is the life I want. And most of us are so nebulous. Well, I just want a nice house, a nice, nice car. I mean, well, what house? What car? Where do you want to live? Like, make those decisions. Do the work. Be the creator of your life, for God's sake. Right? If you want just life to happen to you, then don't be mad when it does. Right? But if you want to happen to life, then you have to step into, you have to do a little work to figure out how you want to happen. What kind of car do you want? What kind of house do you want? Don't get mad when life shows up and you haven't done the work. Right? And then when you do the work, trust the work and let it go. Let the prayer go. Let it come. So, vision boards, um, they're not magical. It's just an energy. You're building the energy of I want this life and it's specific and it's focused. Okay. So that was visualization, muscle testing, vision boards. The fourth one is mirroring. They do not talk about mirroring in the law of attraction, but it is, or in the secret, but it is absolutely um, one of the things. So everything is mind, right? Let me ask you this. I think I'm Mark Zuckerberg's age. Do you realize if I would have had every thought that Mark Zuckerberg ever had, Mark Zuckerberg is the CEO of Facebook, right? The founder of Facebook. If I would have had every thought that Mark Zuckerberg ever had, do you realize that I would be Mark Zuckerberg? 
right? I had I thought about becoming a programmer. I thought about going to Stanford. I thought about this idea. I thought about that idea. I was in every meeting, and I had the same thoughts that he had, even the thoughts that say, I shouldn't say that, or I should say this, or every thought that Mark Zuckerberg ever had, I would be Mark Zuckerberg. I think the only way that this is even questionable is if you're talking about a physical skill. Like if I had if I had every thought that Michael Jordan had, but I'm not his size, shape, and athletic capacity, it's debatable whether or not I would be Michael Jordan. But when it comes to most everything else, everything is mind. And so if you had those thoughts, then you would, if you had every thought, pick somebody your age that you admire. You know, maybe it's Tony Robbins. If you, you realize if you would have had every thought Tony Robbins ever had, you would be Tony Robbins. You would be living Tony Robbins's life. That is the power, the fact that everything is mind. You can hack that. Pay t- close attention. <laughs> you want to be the person, like you want to be like Tony Robbins? You want to live his life? And I've just told you how to do it. Think the thoughts that Tony Robbins thinks. So do you think Tony Robbins wakes up in the morning and thinks about whether or not he's going to be able to put food on the table for his family. He has before, if you listen to his story, but do you think he does that now? No, he wakes up and thinks about the most impactful way to do X, Y, and Z, the meeting he's got for this, that, and the other. You want to have more money, right? Figure out what people with money think about when they wake up. That's their vibration, right? One of my favorite examples of this, so Tony Robbins wrote a book called Money, Master the Game. I freaking love that book. In that book and in the interviews I heard him talk about that book, he explicitly says that this is for people who have money, right? This is about how to invest, this is how to protect, this is how to grow your money. It's, it is, and he even says, if you don't have money, you know, feel free to read it and, and get some ideas and upgrade your thought process, but this is about people who have money. And I think I heard him in interviews say that. But I don't have a lot of money, and I certainly don't have a lot of money to do the things that are talked about in Mastering the Game of Money. But I realize that there are millions of people that wake up every morning in this world and they wake up thinking about their investments and everything like that. There's a vibration to that. There's a vibration to the type of people who wake up thinking about what they should tell their broker today, right? Whether or not they should find a new broker, whether or not they should put another $20,000 over here or they should invest in this idea over here. You know, in the last episode, I opened up the opportunity for if anyone in this community is interested in a tech investment that I have an, uh, a project that I'm working on and we need an investor. I have not been the type of person to be able to wake up and think about, hmm, I wonder if there's a tech company I can invest in today. But if I ever want to be, one of the ways to hack that reality is to read the books or get around the people who think those thoughts. You know, you've heard the old saying that, you know, you are you are the average of the 20 closest people of your life. You're the average weight. You're the average wealth, the average uh, health. Like you are, you've pretty much gathered people around you that maybe have more money or less money. They're heavy, better shape or worse shape. You know, they're healthier or sicker. And you're going to be the average of the people in your life. If you want to raise your average, change the people you hang around. Change the thoughts you think. So if you can't hang around Tony Robbins, then read everything he's ever written. If you can't hang around Donald Trump, read his book, watch his TV shows, whatever the freak you need to do to start thinking the thoughts of the people that you want to be like. Hack your thoughts. Hack. When you're sitting there and you get home from work and you're thinking the thoughts of white collar, you know, blue collar Jim 
who is exhausted from his day at work and all he wants to do is drink a beer and watch football, guess what your life will look like tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that? Your life will look like Blue Collar Gym. But when you're done with work and you get home and pour your mind into a book like Money Master the Game, and instead of thinking the thoughts of your of your coworkers, Blue Collar Jim and Blue Collar Mark and Blue Collar Bob, I'm Blue Collar, by the way, there's no insult there. If you want to be Blue Collar Jim, then love it. Love the life you live and have a blast. That's the point of existence is to be happy. I don't want to be Blue Collar Jim. I want to be more like Tony Robbins. Anybody who knows me well knows that he's kind of my... I want to think the thoughts that he thinks. I want to run 20 companies. I want to be a teacher. I want to also be financially very successful and travel the world. And, and I want to have a great family. And I want to have, be healthy and all those things. This is how I view Tony Robbins. I want the fullness of life in a way that he has it. Therefore, to hack my thought process and get myself out of the energy that I'm stuck in, I am reading what he's written. I watch his stuff. And I tell people, this is what I want, you know, and I actively look for new relationships to upgrade the definition of the average person in my life. That is, by the way, part of the whole, like when I talk about if you want to change your life, you actually have to change your life. Some of that is people. You know, have you ever found yourself not hanging around people that you used to? And some of them left your life and they have been upgraded. And you're wondering, well, you know, what, what happened to Bob and Susie? They've become so successful. Part of the reason they might be successful is because you're not in their life anymore. Sorry to say it, but that's the truth. So you want to follow Bob and Susie, give them a call and say, hey, we've noticed that you've upgraded your status in life and uh, we've learned some of these principles. And uh, would you guys be willing to go out for dinner? We'd like to just ask you some questions and really honor who you guys are. I guarantee you they say yes, unless your parting was really bad. But honoring and saying, hey, you guys have taken a trajectory that we want to take. Can we hang out and just hear where you guys are at and change your thoughts, change that vibration, read those books, listen to those teachings, hang out with those people, mirror the people you want to be like, mirror their energy, mirror their thoughts, mirror their life. And uh, the mirror neurons are a thing that's the same thing that gets activated when I yawn, you yawn type of thing. You will start to behave and talk about things you hang around Blue Collar Jim who drinks beer and watches football. Guess what they talk about at the 4th of July? Football and beer. You hang around White Collar Mark who drinks scotch and watches golf. Guess what they talk about on the 4th of July? Scotch and golf. You want to hang around you know, billionaire Tony Robbins who talks about investment opportunities and wine well, guess what they talk about at the 4th of July? Invest opportunities in wine. Like, it will mirror. Your life will begin to mirror those that you hang around. You'll begin to talk about the things that they talk about. You'll begin to think about the things that they think about. And you will begin to see opportunities. And here's how it really meets the road is if you're not thinking about investments and an investment opportunity comes across, you'll miss it. But if you're thinking about investments, the law of attraction will bring them into your life and you'll see it every time. Oh, that's a good investment. That's an investment opportunity. We should have it. When you're not thinking about it and they happen and life goes, what about this? You ignore it because it's not on your radar. You haven't been vibrating at that level and it doesn't resonate you with you at all. So you want to resonate with the best opportunities life has to give? Put yourself in a higher thought pattern. Hack those things by hacking your thoughts. Mirror the people and the circumstances that you want to be around. 
And then the last thing is really just kind of a list of things like belief IQ, psyche, emotion code, body code, Splunkna. There's so many different tools that can help you. Uh, a lot of them use um, muscle testing. You know, one of the things that one of the tools you can actually use is your diet. A lot of people don't realize that crappy food makes you think crappy. Or things like the fact that uh, that willpower is like gasoline. You don't ha- you only have so much of it. What you eat and the and the biochemistry of your body actually does affect your vibration. And so if you find that, man, I've done all this work and I mean that, and I just, nothing's changing, change your diet, right? Change how you feel, vibrate on that level. Maybe that's it. There's a company um, that I'm becoming familiar with called Q360 in Malibu, California, and they're going to be, Aaron Cameron, I talked about him a few episodes ago. He has agreed he's going to do a interview um, at some point on this episode, but they do a lot of uh, stuff around vibration, Rife machines, frequencies, uh, Beamer machines. Um, I mean, there's just all sorts of really cool stuff to raise your vibration. So it doesn't even just have to be spiritual or mental tools. It can also be physical tools like Q360 or your diet or anything like that. There's so many ways to get yourself to the vibration of when you ask, believe that you have what you've asked for and you shall receive it. So ask, believe, receive. That's the formula. These are some of the tools. Hope it's helped you guys. Hit me up if you need some help on a personal level. Belief IQ, spiritual coaching, Austin at newagechristiania.org. And thank you guys for your time. For those of you who uh, donate regularly, thank you so much. It has been super encouraging to have regular donors. And uh, if you have never donated, please consider. That's all I ask. Thank you for considering. Uh, Share, like, um, give me feedback. Let me know how I'm doing. Uh, If there's something you would like me to say or talk about, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, more and more episodes, and we are going to keep unpacking the secret. I think there's five more episodes to go, and uh, maybe six, I'm not sure. Hope you guys join join the series. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Love you guys. See you around. 